Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Wednesday, May 13th. We begin with our weekly Ask the Doctor series. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Craig Janney answers your COVID-19 questions. A large majority of Canadians would like to see testing for the coronavirus increased. As we continue our reopening process across the country, we're taking a look at the numbers in a new poll with Daryl Bricker from Ipsos. Here in Alberta, we've been faced with great financial stress due to COVID-19, as well as the additional stress of the oil price crash. We get some financial advice during this tough time from BDO. And have you been putting off getting your car serviced because of the pandemic? We catch up with Greg Eagleson, GM of Advantage Ford, on the many safety protocols car dealerships have put into place to keep your wheels on the road. 812 now, and as we do every Wednesday, we want to answer all of your COVID-19 questions. Joining us again this morning is Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary, Dr. Craig Janney. Good morning, Dr. Janney. Good morning. Excellent. We've got a long list once again for you. All are you ready? I'm ready. You've limbered up. You're ready to go? Did my stretching. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Here we go with the first one. How can I test positive but still be asymptomatic? Positive for COVID-19, obviously. Yeah, so that's a great question. We now know that more than 10% of people that have the virus really don't show any outward symptoms. So it's a pretty mild infection in them. Most of our symptoms are our own immune system attacking the virus. So these people seem to have a less inflammatory response. They deal with the virus just fine, but the big risk is they can still spread the virus. So they may not even know they're infected, and they can still give it to somebody else. This next one's more of a statement from an earlier text, which was, uh, it's a virus, not a disease. Uh, apparently somebody uh, referred to it as a disease. If we can clarify again the difference. Yeah, this gets into really confusing um, terminology. So actually COVID-19 is the disease. The virus is a SARS-CoV-2. So the the virus has a more technical name. The overall disease, all the symptoms, is what we're calling COVID-19. Okay, and let's talk a little bit about the term herd immunity. We hear a lot about that. What is it? Yeah, so herd immunity or population immunity is the idea that there's enough people in the community that are now protected. And that can be either through infection or ideally through something like vaccination. And if enough people have immunity, then one per- then if one person gets infected, there's no uh, susceptible person near them to spread the infection. So although individuals may still get infected, it's very, very difficult for a virus to spread if everybody else in the community is protected. Somewhat connected to that last question, uh, should we have done what Sweden did? So I, I know there's a lot of debate here, and the numbers are still pretty uh, new, but you know, if we compare Sweden to a, a lot of countries that had problems, they did very well. But if we compare Sweden directly to its neighbors, Norway and Denmark, they had a tenfold higher death rate in Sweden. So although you know they did better than France or Spain, when we look at the northern countries and Scandinavia in general, they all did better, and Sweden performed the worst of those countries. So there was still a loss of life associated with not locking down. Dr. Jenny, we've had lots of people asking this question. Is there a reliable test to tell me if I had COVID-19. Current testing is really talking about, you know, if you have it at the time of the test. Yeah, so these are the antibody tests, and the first serological test was approved by Health Canada uh, this week. The problem with these tests is they can tell you that you may have been exposed to COVID-19. Depending on the test, some of the U.S. tests are struggling to tell the difference between this disease and the common cold. So anybody who's had the cold would test positive on the U.S. test. Uh, the, The latest test seems to be more precise. What we don't know is that does that protect you? So just because you've been exposed doesn't mean your immune memory is strong enough to prevent a second infection. And that's really what we're studying now. Which is easier to catch, COVID-19 or the flu? 
another great question. It looks like it's COVID-19 may be easier to catch. Individuals that are spreading the virus tend to infect three or more other people. The flu is a little lower than that. Mm. The difference here is that not everybody with COVID-19 seems to be spreading it. So the individuals that are spreading spread it to more people, but maybe not as many of the infected people are giving it to their neighbour. Next question. When we clean surfaces with disinfectants, does the virus stay on the cloth or is it then destroyed by the disinfectant? It would also be destroyed. So if it comes in contact with these bleach-based cleaners or alcohol-based, the virus itself is what we call denatured. So the proteins and lipids in the virus are essentially scrambled, and it doesn't matter which surface, the virus will no longer be infectable. What are the most uh, risky preconditions for people who catch coronavirus? are anything that deals with your airway, so asthma, chronic obstructive, uh, pulmonary disease, things of that nature. And we've also seen a strong association with things that fall under a a term of metabolic spectrum, so things like diabetes or high blood pressure or things of that nature. So these are the ones that really seem to determine whether you get a mild infection or whether you end up requiring hospitalization. Why does a mask protect others but not the wearer? masks that we tend to see in the public, unless you're getting professionally fitted for a mask, which involves actually testing how much gas passes around the edges, the mask doesn't stop the virus particles from getting through. So if there's virus in the air, it can get into the uninfected person. What the mask does a great job of is knocking down droplets from somebody who's coughing or or breathing that might have the virus. So they actually put less droplets into the environment, so that results in less virus. But individual virus particles really don't get knocked down by the mask. So if you're not infected and it's in the air, the mask provides little protection to the uninfected person. This might be a difficult one for you to answer, but uh, do you think kids will be going back to school in September, given (laughs) where we are now? I hope so. (laughs) I I honestly cannot answer that. Um, We've seen this virus do uh, dramatic changes even in the period of two or three weeks we can see our numbers drop by more than half likewise we have seen outbreaks at specific facilities where we've seen a thousand cases develop in two weeks so i think right now in may september is awfully far off to try and predict exactly what the virus will be doing in our community Uh, here's one i am a garbage man is it safe to be collecting people's garbage at this time yeah, well, again, there's always risk involved in, in all of our activities out there, but it's fairly low risk. If you're wearing uh, gloves and you're washing your hands, avoiding touching your face, there's not a lot of uh, fresh aerosols made in this way. You're not contacting the infected patient, so the risk is quite low, but you still have to keep those personal protective measures up, especially the hand washing. Uh, this person asking, uh, they're a house cleaner, uh, so potentially they pick up the virus at every home they work at. Should they get tested just in case? case and how often can you get tested so in uh, calgary we as of this week have just brought online uh, asymptomatic uh, patient testing so basically anybody who wants to get tested can now get tested here in the calgary health region so if you have concerns it doesn't hurt to get tested it's important to also keep track of the individual places you are if anybody in one of those homes is infected or is reported to be infected then that's really i think when the concern should be elevated and you should go get tested for sure at that point here's one what does the doctor think about haircuts one cannot truly socially distance after all even with a mask on what does he think of the risk 
Yeah, so this is a pretty much a, a not a one-size-fits-all. So there will be some establishments where there's a low uh, number of customers and they can clean in between customers, no lineup in the waiting room. These ones are probably pretty safe. Uh, the concern gets at any uh, service or any uh, retail outlet where there's going to be large groups of people. So if you're going to a barber shop or a stylist and there's a large crowd and a waiting line, uh, maybe consider going in at another time or visit a less busy establishment. Okay. Okay. At what temperature does COVID die? Do we know that yet? We we don't know. Um, Couple the temperatures also how long you keep it at that temperature. So extremely high temperatures, shorter time, uh, elevated but not crazy high temperatures. You'll need to go longer, and it's not a reliable way to to kill the virus at home. We know this because, for example, if you put in clothing or material and you're trying to heat it, the inside may not get warm enough to get rid of the virus. Which is why the recommendation is other cleaning solutions. We didn't even get to all the questions. We did not. We're going to stockpile them for next week, and uh, we hope to have you back next uh, Wednesday as well. Sounds great. Okay, take care. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Of course, that is Associate Professor of De- uh, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary, Dr. Craig Janney. 609 now, and a large majority of Canadians would like to see testing for the coronavirus increased as we continue our reopening. With details on a new poll done by Ipsos, we're joined this morning by Ipsos CEO Daryl Bricker. Hi, Daryl. Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. So you've done some new polling. You always have great results that are super interesting. So this is talking about what Canadians would like to see in terms of beefing up testing for all of us. Yeah, so over 70% of us say that actually uh, reopening should be contingent on that. Uh, But uh, given that we also see in the same polling that people are pretty anxious to get back to their regular lives. In fact, we had another poll out the other day that showed that almost 40% of us are actually not uh, uh, maintaining our social distance and we're starting to break it fairly regularly. There's an anxiety building up. So even though a lot of people would like to see testing and they think that that's what we should have in in place, uh, I don't think reopening is necessarily going to be contingent on that. And these numbers, I'm sure they have changed wildly over the past uh, few months. Has it really been in the past week or so that uh, you've seen these numbers leap up, or has it been a gradual change? Uh, Fairly consistent on the testing and also on vaccines. Uh, The the difference between testing and vaccines, though, is is that people think that uh, uh, testing can probably be put in place fairly uh, uh, close to the date that we're at right now. So it's a it's it's a it's a near term sort of thing. Whereas vaccines, people still see as something something off you know off in the distance. Daryl, are you seeing you know this these numbers differ from province to province in terms of who is kind of you know putting the social distancing aside? Is it provinces maybe that have fewer cases? It's exactly correct. So the two things that you can look for are uh, how hard uh, that jurisdiction's been hit by the disease. And then the second thing is the proportion of rural to urban uh, areas in, in, in the province. So, for example, Alberta has been pretty hard hit. Uh, so when it comes to uh, getting back to regular life, people are a bit more reluctant than in, in, in Alberta than, say, for example, they would be in Atlantic Canada, uh, which is, believe it or not, more rural than Alberta. Uh, but uh, the thing that people in Alberta are really concerned about is businesses reopening. Less concerned about schools, probably because uh, there's already been an announcement that schools won't mm-hmm. be reopening in the near future. So, uh, yeah, people in Alberta, the province has been hard hit by this disease, and, um, and uh, they're, uh, they're antsy, I guess would be the best way to put it. 
we're still a ways out from having a vaccine, but I know that people have had a strong opinions on whether or not a vaccine should be mandatory. Did you folks dig into that as far as Canadian views on whether or not we should mandate a vaccine? We dig into everything. <laughs> that you do. Yeah, so uh, yes, we did. And, and that number's in the 70s, too. Uh, now, what surprised me on that one, to be honest, was it wasn't in the 90s. Uh, so there, there's uh, uh, probably two elements to that. Uh, there is a bit of an anti-vaxxer movement out there. I don't think it's that big. But there's also a, a great deal of reluctance among some Canadians to be told to do anything. So when you tell them that anything's mandatory, they start to have questions. But even with that, I mean, three-quarters of us pretty much agreeing that it, uh, it should be mandatory pretty much says it should be mandatory. Daryl, did you ask specifically about wearing masks? And if you did, how do people feel about that? Yeah, we have asked about wearing masks, and most people are wearing masks now when they leave the house. And if there's one number that's been moving uh, through the course of this uh, uh, through the course of this crisis, it's been that specific change in behavior that people are are now uh, overwhelmingly wearing masks when they go out of the house. You know, down south, where uh, you know we follow U.S. politics, we follow the coronavirus in the U.S., and there's talk of maybe switching uh, things up from November, uh, changing elections. Canadians apparently have uh, opinions as far as any, you know, elections happening, whatever a level of government uh, during the coronavirus as well, and uh, what we should do moving forward post-pandemic. Yeah, we don't want them. We don't. <laughs> we don't. Uh, and and uh, the reason for that is they want all, all hands on deck. I mean, whether, whether you're a, a mayor, whether you're a, a provincial premier, a, mem- a member of the Legislative Assembly, or whether you're a member of Parliament, they want you focused on dealing with this issue, which has been the largest uh, uh, effect that we've seen on humanity in the fastest period of time in history. So it's no wonder they're saying, look, we can suspend politics for a little bit of time. Uh, we really want you to focus on solving these problems. What's the overall message you got doing this particular polling, Daryl? Well, I would say that uh, we're still, uh, Canadians are still pretty compliant with what they're being asked to do. But you can start to see that the, they're almost like hairline cracks starting to form in this resolve about staying home. So we've now moved past the, uh, is this a crisis, to yes, it is. And we need to react to it. We need to, you know, everybody needs to be engaged in making this better to, okay, we're sort of the worst days are behind us, we think, and we're going to start moving back to what looks like some form of normality. So the cracks are starting to form. The, the ability for governments to just say stay home uh, probably gets weaker every day. I'm wondering, you know, from a, from a pollster's perspective, have uh, your methods changed with more people working from home or do you folks still follow the exact same methods you would if, if, if uh, people were at work? Uh, well, we do most of our, our work online. We do some of it still on telephone. But uh, where I've seen it really changes in places where we do a lot of face-to-face work, like focus groups and that kind of thing. And uh, obviously, you, you can't do that sort of thing. But uh, uh, actually, it's it's been a bit of a pollster's bonanza in that the fact that everybody's at home and everybody's mm-hmm. bored. So you know, uh, they're, they're interested in responding to surveys. Are they bored as well as impatient, Daryl? Would you say are, are people getting angry at all? Did you Did you find that in your polling? Not a lot of anger. Uh, I would say it's more like anxiety, um, where people are worried about what's going on. Now, interestingly, with this disease, for most people, they see it as an economic disease, not a health disease. So one of the things that we have been asking on other surveys is, do you know anybody who's been infected? You know, it's fewer than 10%. Do you know anybody who's died? A very, very small number. Uh, So do you know anybody who's lost their job or lost wages or has been asked to stay home? That's in the 60s. So people, uh, the anxiety that's driving them, 
is not necessarily related to health as much as it is to their sense that they're they're falling behind economically. The ever-changing world of Ipsos. I tell you, <laughs> you guys are busy right now. Thanks for your time, Daryl. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on again. That is Daryl Bricker, Ipsos CEO. Coming up to 642 on the morning news, and we're getting an update on COVID-19 across the nation, including a look ahead to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's daily press conference. Joining us with details this morning is Mike LeCouture, Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. What can we expect the Prime Minister to talk about today? Yeah, we're hearing we'll get some details on that regional relief and recovery fund that was announced uh, a few weeks ago. It's worth $962 million. We're supposed to get some more details on how that will actually funnel through to the six regional economic development agencies. And it'll go to small businesses. And these e- economic development agencies are really sort of the vector by which the government gets the money to these small businesses. In, in the different regions and seeing exactly how uh, this money will be uh, rolled out. It will be interesting to see and it'll be key in the recovery, really, because this is at the time when businesses will be you know, continuing to look for that money uh, and each a- agency is expected to take somewhat of a different approach as how it's going to share the fund and how it targets small businesses and each of them in need. We're also hearing that the Prime Minister will uh, talk about students. You know, there was a benefit that was announced for students last week. Uh, it's possible that they're could be more there. Uh, We're not sure yet, but we do expect to hear about that in a couple hours from now. Mike, we hear lots about vaccines, lots about testing, and Health Canada has approved a new test to detect antibodies of COVID-19 in Canadians. What are you hearing about that? Yeah, it's a serological test, and it detects those antibodies in someone's blood for COVID-19, and it's going to help scientists determine if someone has the virus, but actually, more importantly, whether or not they still have the virus-fighting antibodies in the system. In a statement from Health Canada, they said further research research will also help us understand fully the relationship between positive antibody tests and protection against reinfection. Now, health experts have been calling for this kind of thing for some time now, and some are calling it the gold standard of understanding the spread of the infection. The blood tests wouldn't really be able to detect early infections. Uh, They could pinpoint asymptomatic cases or patients with infections mild enough to have never been tested. And researchers generally agree that patients who recover have some sort of immunity. It's just unclear on how much and how long it'll last. But this is really key when you consider back to what I was saying about reopening of economies and sort of guarding against that second wave mm-hmm. as provinces start to reopen. So this type of testing, um, you know, could really help trace and figure out where the virus is and where it might be going. Of course, you say Health Canada has approved those uh, special antibody tests, antibody tests. Uh, but do we have an idea when something like this would begin? Yeah, it's not clear just yet. Uh, you know, the approval stage is just the first one. But of course, uh, it's an important step forward and, and something that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, a lot of people have been getting a lot of money. Different groups have been granted a lot of funding. And it now looks like we could be seeing a trillion dollar deficit. Yeah, so Yves Giroux was in front of a finance committee yesterday and was asked uh, point blank by a Conservative MP whether or not it was is possible um, that the federal debt this year could exceed a trillion dollars. And his response was possible, yes, 
yes. Realistic, yes. Certainly not unthinkable. Now, it comes just two weeks after Yves Giroud predicted that the federal deficit for the year could reach over $252 billion as a result of all these economic programs. And on Tuesday, he said, look, that number was optimistic at the time. Uh, the PM has been announcing a lot of spending and a lot of aid for a lot of people. Um, and so the PBO is basically saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, we've spoken to a number of government sources, especially in the finance department, um, because they have been pressed, or the government has, to provide some sort of a fiscal update. Uh, we skipped the budget back in March, and uh, you know there has been a lot of questions about whether or not the finance minister will present some sort of fiscal update on where this country is going and what our fan- financial status is. And what I've been hearing from a lot of these officials is, look, the situation continues to change so much that we're not really sure what the projections will look like. So projections that we prepare this week uh, or that we prepare, you know, would have prepared last week may not be good this week. So that's why they don't feel like they can provide that kind of accurate snapshot. But let's do a little bit of math of this. One trillion dollars worth of fiscal debt. Um, If you spread that out again uh, to every man, woman and child in this country, it's $24,000 a piece. Now, not money that you and I have to pay back to anybody, but it's still money owing by this government and at some point money that they'll have to pay back. Well, I guess we'll see how things unfold there. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. That is Michael LeCouture, uh, Global's uh, parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. 710 on the morning news with Alberta reporting one of the highest unemployment rates in Canada during COVID-19. We're faced with increased levels of personal finance stress and uncertainty. We're joined now by Marie Kozlowski, VP at BDO. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andrew. Well, this is a very tough time and uh, something we touched on earlier in the show. To get into this pandemic, uh, the economy was certainly less than stellar in the province. Things have compounded. So I'm wondering if we can talk about the, the staggering numbers from your perspective. Absolutely. We know from, <clears throat> excuse me, Stats Canada releasing its April employment, um, unemployment numbers that um, the, the, the country lost nearly 2 million jobs in April. Add to that the 1 million jobs that were lost in March. Unemployment is now 13%. And in this province, it's 13.4%. Specifically in Calgary, it's 10.8%, which is the highest rate among Canada's big cities. These are numbers which are truly, you know, unprecedented Mm -hmm. and are obviously having an impact on individuals and businesses. And we should also bear in mind that those numbers only include job losses. More than 2.5 million people um, are reporting that from February to April, they work less than half of their usual hours. So the cumulative effect is staggering, actually. It's about 5.5 million people in terms, uh, as at the end of um, April 12th of, of this year. So <clears throat> that's going to, um, that's, that's kind of funneling through uh, uh, the economy. And we know, even though that the provinces are talking about lifting restrictions, if you can't just flip the switch. The job losses were extensive, and many businesses will not recover and many households will be living for an extended period on reduced income. We also know that before this crisis began, a significant number of households in Alberta were already struggling Mm -hmm. with housing and living costs. And um, we saw that with increased insolvency filings. And to be honest, those filings have stayed stable. They've not fell 
um, as in the east, eastern Canada. So we know that here things are really dire. And um, we also see that it's not just the financial impact, it's the emotional impact on people. 44% of Canadians are reporting to they're feeling stressed. 39% are concerned about financial hardship and debt. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that's where we turn our attention to what's out there to help people. And we know that the, there's a long list of financial aid and assistance options that is now available. The federal government, of, of course, has come up, has put billions of dollars into this financial aid. And I'd, I'd really encourage people to go to the federal government website to make sure they're getting everything they're eligible for. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit, we all know about that. It's $2,000 a month. More than 7.7 million Canadians have applied for that benefit. And for employers and small business owners, and let's not forget them because they are being hugely impacted. There is the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. It, that covers 75% of employee wages. Apparently, nearly 100,000 businesses have had their applications approved for that benefit. There's a student benefit that's recently been announced at $1,250 a month uh, for the period May through August. And, um, of course, Canada's student debt loans have been suspended um, for up to six months. And yesterday, thankfully, the, the, the federal government announced the seniors' benefit and this is a benefit that is automatic. Seniors do not have to apply for this benefit. Um, people who are receiving old age security, known as OAS, will receive a one-time tax-free payment of 300. And those seniors eligible for the guaranteed income supplement, the GIS, will get an extra $200. So these are just some of the key highlights and these are some of the, the things that will help um, individuals as they go through this crisis. There's also the Alberta government benefits that are available and certain municipalities are are um, helping. We do know, guys, that certain lenders, the big banks, the credit unions, the credit card companies, and also the auto dealerships are offering deferrals on payments. You do have to qualify for these deferrals, so you need to get a hold of your financial institution if, you look, if you're looking to gain some assistance from that, um, that, those options. If there's stress, I mean, you know, that obviously goes along with it. And, and you've you talked a lot about the different aid packages, et cetera. So we know it truly is a struggle. Do you have advice for people just to, you know, reminders of them other than, yes, certainly look for, for the money, but just general advice for folks who are listening, who are having struggles financially and, uh, you know, maybe looking for some kind of help or a lead as to where to go next? Absolutely. I mean, I've talked before about the basics of, you know, how much money do you make? What do you, what, do you have any tax refunds coming in? Are you saving any money? Do you, but the most important thing is, do you know how much you owe? Do you know, make a list of your creditors. Figure out whether you can actually keep up with those payments. And do this, this, this financial assessment and put that budget together. But many people will find, I'm sure, that when they do that, they're just not in a position to be able to cope um, maybe, maybe now, maybe just for now, but in the future, they're not going to be able to. So they need to contact to consider what other debt options are available out there. And there are debt options available. Um, licensed insolvency trustees, such as myself, can help individuals. Uh, can, we, can, we can help them maneuver around the various options which are available to try and find out which option is best for them. And um, many people here... You know, it's not just COVID, 
we knew they were struggling beforehand. But layer on top of that, the what's happening in the oil sector, what happened up in Fort McMurray, um, all the, these additional issues have you know come to the fore and are just kind of layering on the stress yeah. both financially and emotionally in this province. I'd encourage people to get a hold of uh, a licensed insolvency trustee such as uh, myself. We are, even though we're out of our offices, we're all working from home in our kitchens and offices, we are fully functional, and we can help people. If they want to give us a call, we can help them through over the telephone or even by video conferencing. Um, we know, mm-hmm. that, you know that, you know, that this is just, right now, this is the tip of the iceberg. Um, we do know that what's been referred to as the Canadian consumer bubble yeah. burst, and we, we always consider that, we knew we were carrying an awful lot of consumer debt and there would be a trigger. And it was often considered to be an unprecedented family event, you know, uh, a divorce or a, a loss of a job. And, and here we are with those are. unemployment numbers. Yeah. We're at that point and, you know, we're here to help if we possibly can. It's like the perfect storm, Marie. We're going to have to leave it there for now. But uh, thank you so much for your time. I know we can get full details online at BDO.ca. Thank you, Marie. That is Marie Kozlowski, VP at BDO. You might now or not have realized it, but car dealerships are an essential business, so they've been open during this pandemic, and if you need parts, repairs, or to buy a new vehicle, you can. Joining us this morning, General Sales Manager at Advantage Ford, Greg Eagleson. Hi, Greg. Good morning, Sue. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Thank you very much. Hope you are, too. I know a lot of people have obviously been isolating at home, so I imagine the dealerships have been fairly quiet. Actually, they were quite quiet for the first, probably the first four weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of sanitizing and uh, make sure that we're safe, make sure our customer's safe. And uh, now we're seeing that it's opening up a little bit. The last week, we're seeing more people, more people coming in saying, hey, it's time. I got to make a decision. Either way, I'm still, I'm still planning on living my life and I'm still planning on buying a new boat. I'm still planning on buying a new truck. So it's nice to see as Albertans are starting to open up a little mm-hmm. bit right now. Not just that service has to be done on these vehicles, Greg. And uh, again, you mentioned the sanitizing and some of the protocols. But for for those people at home who say, you know, I don't want to go to the dealership to get my servicing done uh, because of COVID-19, tell us the process and the protocols in place that that make sure that uh, the customers are safe. Well, the best thing about that is all they got to do is call in. And what we'll do is we'll set up an appointment. They leave it right in their driveway for us. We, we go pick it up. And so obviously we sanitize when we pick it up. We bring it here. We do the service. We bring it back. We drop it in the driveway and we sanitize it again. So they don't even have to touch the vehicle. They can actually leave it there till the next day if they want. But it's all clean and ready to go. And we have had a lot of that in the last while, especially with, uh, with the winter tires getting changed. Right. right. Because a lot of people, you know how you line up to wait. As soon as it gets nice, I got deepers. I got to get my summers on. We've had like, I don't know, probably 20 sets a day that people are coming then saying, hey, I need my winter tires done. And uh, they're just lining them up and uh, we're going to drop them off their house, bring them back here. It's great. We so. never have to leave the safety of our home. I'm loving it. Are there any services <laughs> that people cannot get at their dealership right now? Not really. I don't think so. I think everything right now is, is starting to open up a little more. We have, uh, it's a first for us, I can tell you that honestly, Sue, is we have done deals from front to back on the phone, never met the customer until the salesperson actually dropped it off at their house with the bill of sale. Oh. And it's amazing. One one guy, he said, you know what? He said, I bought a high-end car two weeks ago, 
And he says, it was so easy. I think I'm just going to buy a truck today as well. <laughs> oh. And then we, within four hours, the new truck was cleaned and headed to his house. And we, we wouldn't know, I wouldn't know the guy if he, if he walked in here today. <laughs> well, so, you know, <laughs> online is great, but what if I want a test drive? Can I still uh, do a test drive? You can still do a test drive. We, we uh, sanitize it. And then you go out with just you and your wife or your family, whatever. The salesperson doesn't go with you. But also what happens is we've had a lot of different people saying, I'd like to see this. My car broke down, especially for pre-owned. So you know what I need to buy another one? We take it over. We drop it off their house. They take it for a ride. The salesperson just waits there. They go for a drive. They come back. If it works out good. Salesperson comes back. We do everything over internet or phone or whatever until we got the deal finalized. Because there's a lot of people still that are, are really, really skeptical mm-hmm. about going out, and and we have to understand that, and we gotta you know respect that. So safe and easy. Thanks for joining us, Greg, with the update. Always a pleasure. You guys have a great day. You too. That's Greg Eagleson, General Sales Manager at Advantage Ford.